Welcome to Salt and Pepper Conversations with author and speaker David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Salt because as Christians, we're called on to be salt and light in a world of darkness. Pepper because as men, we struggle with things like hot tempers and dark thoughts. Let's join David and Aaron for today's topic. Hey, good afternoon, Salt and Pepper listeners. Can you believe it's August, or as Frank Billingsley on Channel 2 says, August. (laughs) We are heading down the home stretch in our series of the seven deadly sins. Today, we've gobbled our way to gluttony, (laughs) saving lust for last, using alliteration here, Aaron, (laughs) in the examination of the excessive love trio of sins. But just like saying grace before a meal, we must begin with a shout-out of gratitude to our sponsor, Electronic Recovery Services, or ERS. So thank you, ERS, for your sponsorship. Pastor Aaron, are you ready to get going on gluttony? Uh, Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Salt and Pepper Conversation listeners. Welcome back. Uh, I want to welcome back ERS, Electronic Recovery Services, our amazing sponsor uh, and listener to our show. Uh, It's good to be here, you know, and and, uh, I'm ready to talk about it. I know we've used that old adage, this, uh, that old adage, the seven deadly sins. Uh, I also want to remind our listener that all sin is deadly. And this phrase, as catchy it is, is not biblical, but uh, and not a complete sin list. So just remember that we're using this because we're all familiar with that. And there's been books written about these sins precisely. And as men... Uh, we need to focus on how we deal with them with a biblical perspective. And David, as much as I love candy, sweets, and chicken wings, (laughs) I think I'm really ready to talk about this as we were talking before the show started. I really had a a problem with this. I just uh, don't know if uh, men of our show really are ready to hear about it because I know I wasn't. Like I thought this was something I didn't really deal with until – I started to look into it, especially according to the word of God. So let's get it. Let's get biblical. Let's get right. (laughs) Well, we were talking before the show. I had done a lot of entertaining in my previous career and paid for a lot of meals on a nice corporate expense account. If if any of you out there can recall eating a meal with someone who is just so engrossed in the meal where they're smacking and chomping and, you know, Really use the <laughs> napkin, you know. <laughs> so I want to I want to give you two pictures that the entertainment industry has uh, come up with to depict this gluttonous sin. What you got? What you got? So the two that come to my mind are Jabba the Hutt from Star Wars. <laughs> wow. If you recall him, and then the other is Fat Bastard from the Austin Power series. Get in my belly! <laughs> I want to eat your baby. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Both are revolting, slurping and cramming things into their mouths and making disgusting noises as they gorge themselves like hogs at their swill. But as with all the sins, gluttony makes us solitary. The solitude is partly a result of taking something in our lives, like eating, which has its appropriate place and value, and then lifting it out of place and exaggerating its importance to us. In the end, it is no longer a part of our lives, but takes the place of living. 
avarice or greed, as we've talked about last week, does this with possessions, lust with sex, which we'll cover next week, and gluttony does it with food. It is the appetites in themselves and their need for gratification that take over one's life. And the object of each appetite, which might in itself be pleasing, is submerged in the inordinate desire for it. Uh Uh-oh. The food on the plate of the glutton is not really the source of pleasure to him. He does not savor. He only devours. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Aaron, aren't there any stories in the Bible about lavish banquets and overindulgence of food? Lavish banquets. Oh, wow. Um, Before I answer that, I want to make another declaration and statement about this show. You know, because we started uh, the show to target men and how they deal with things in an effort, in our effort, to get them to uh, deal with them from a biblical, godly perspective. You know, and um, gluttony is that thing that in life we we don't look at as men, right? It's one of those things that we... We just take for granted that ah, oh, it's not me, that's not us. And when I, when you, when you, when we were preparing, I was thinking about what you said about lavish banquets, times of overindulgence that led to much revelry and sin in the Old Testament and New uh, uh, times. Um, I was thinking about when uh, Israel was exiled and all the kingdoms that they were exiled to. Um, when John the Baptist was. Uh, beheaded because of a banquet where they drank and ate to their full and just got gluttonous in their behavior that led to other sin, right? It's kind of crazy. Um, The Bible says, be not among drunkards, which is the gluttony of the liquid gluttony, or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Many times throughout the Bible, men would gorge themselves on wine and food, and all types of vile appetites would precede these types of events. You know, it's just crazy when you think about how this was an expression uh, of other sins that manifested men, right? I, we're going to touch on it a little more deeper. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, yeah. It, it, it opens Pandora's box yes, for all of Yes, it does. Them. A whole lot it's, of other it's things. It's kind of like the key to the latch of the <laughs> sins. Well, if food and drink can sometimes and should you know, be an enchantment, they are also necessary to our existence. So gluttony and lust are the only two sins that abuse something that is essential to our survival. So we have to deal with it. A disrespect for food is a disrespect for creation, for the goodness and the bounty of it, for what has been provided to sustain us as part of it. None of this crosses the mind of the glutton. He doesn't respect his food. He's not even grateful for it. One cannot imagine him saying grace before a meal, which is a prayer of thankfulness for life and not merely for the food we are about to eat. But few of us say grace today, Aaron. <laughs> we take for granted not merely the sufficiency of food, but a plenitude of it. You see how big those plates are that they serve you on at Papado's? <laughs> right? Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, <clears throat> but a grace uh, was not only a prayer of thankfulness. It bestowed on our foods <clears throat> our sense that these are also part of creation, that they are God's things that we eat. And out of his boundless goodness to us. And therefore, with all the more reason to be thankful and honor them. 
the amount and variety of foods that we now expect to find at all times of the day and the night in our supermarkets and gourmet shops, restaurants, cafeterias, and even in our health food stores is what would in the Old Testament have been called an abomination under the Lord. Right. So, Aaron, what guidance does the Bible offer to help us avoid abusing something essential to our survival? Amen, man. You know, it's funny. I'm going to touch on that thing you said about saying grace and giving thanks uh, over our food. You know, the one thing I think about when you think about gluttony, you know, prayers are real quick or they're obsolete because they just want to get to the food, right? Because when we say grace, not rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen, or um, repetitious prayers, but when we actually take time to really thank God for what he's set before us, it helps our uh, give our mind a spiritual mindset of the blessing that's in front of us. Ergo, we might not be as gluttonous if we actually considered God more often before we ate anyway. And the Bible, the Bible's that book that deals with er- everything, even this. In the Old Testament, God gave the people of Israel dietary laws and rules to help them. Uh, you know, those laws were to help set them apart, one, as a holy nation, also for their own good, and it included everything with this dietary instructions or laws, if you will. Um, they, the God's people, uh, would have less risk of parasites, malnutrition, sickness, unhealthy eating habits, gluttony. God, God gave parameters. And why do you think, it's funny when you talk about the Bible, why do you think God had to give parameters? Because he knew what we were predisposed to the minute we were exposed to sin, right? He knew that gluttony was wrapped up in sin, right? And, and, and it's crazy. When I, when I think of the sin of gluttony, I think of a, a, just of obesity in America, you know, and it's, it, it, it's common and it's serious. Uh, it, it's costly. You know, it says that obesity is 39% of our, about 93.3 million Adults suffer from obesity and obesity related infirmities, heart disease, stroke, diabetes. It is uh, preventable. It, it, it leads to premature death. Like we don't think about this when we're at the table and I have my supersized nachos. We can't just go get nachos. Oh, no. Got to have, give me the super size with some sour cream and some guacamole and give me some extra cheese and some extra meat. Here's the thing. I think our listeners today, they're going to be mad. They're not going to be like, I can't eat after this. Because that's how I was feeling. This, right. this lesson, this conversation has messed me up in the way that I, I think about food. Um, but to more directly answer your question, it says, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, man, this is, And it's dealing, he says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Again, it takes us all the way back to what you started out saying about giving thanks and being great to the glory of God. Think about God who provided. You know, we sing songs, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He didn't provide for you to be gluttonous, to overeat. You know, the fact that we look at food the way we do. It's ungodly. It reminds me, I was telling you um, about uh, the Israelites when they were delivered from Egypt and they were in the wilderness and God was feeding them bread from heaven right there. Like, oh, that's not enough. We want meat. 
So, and they kept murmuring and complaining. So he gave them so much meat where it came out of their nose, right? And they just kept eating. And he goes, okay, I'm going to make you sick with this. And then he set up um, guidelines and rules. Here's the thing. Philippians says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And the glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. What can I have? What can I have? Gluttony is terrible, man. <laughs> Is and you know, <clears throat> I've told you my favorite show on television is Alone, right? And right. it's basically like a starvation contest because you have to catch, kill, or gather, you know, whatever you're going to eat. And so you really appreciate it when you're watching that show and how these people. <laughs> and and then you know, I also watch a lot of other stuff on the History Channel, and there's a series called The Food That Built America. But you know, just in the late 1800s, people didn't have that much to eat, and and so. You know, here we are now, released from the preoccupation of wondering whether we will eat tomorrow. Because a lot of people just 100 years ago wondered, you know, what they would eat tomorrow. Right. There wasn't refrigeration, you know. Salt was the only preservative. And so they wondered, you know, they, they've been released from the monotony of diets that will not very much from day to day for most of your lives are eating the same thing. Uh, released even from the bondage of the peasant woman to her stockpot. And, <laughs> and, and what do we do? We return to the slavery of the kitchen, but now to make a fetish of it. We have become absurdly interested in our food. We think about it. We read about it. We worry about it. We talk about it. We expect it to be too foolproof a nourishment of our spirits as well as our bodies to enchant us too continuously. Our attitude to it is also, here's our word, idolatrous. We have made food our golden calf. It may be agreed that our obsession with eating is one of the most widespread expressions of idolatry in our age, but we usually think of gluttony as so unsightly and bloated, like the fat bastard characters of Drop of the Hood, right. that few of us today may seem guilty of it. Consider the obsessive dieters and the calorie counters or the addicts to health foods. No one seems able to rise in the morning these days and to go out and meet the world without stepping onto the bathroom scales. Whether they are eating or not, their minds are on their food and what their food is doing to their bodies. The driving motive is of both is an inordinate self-love. And this is the sin. The obsession with one's food is a reflection of an obsession with our bodies. Wow. It is another kind of whiffling activity, a way of filling in the time for people who now have more leisure than they know how to use, an artificial interest to those with too few real interests. Aaron, do you agree with this rather unusual presentation of gluttony as a deadly sin? Well, I'm going to touch on that, but I don't know what a whiffling activity is. Anyway. <laughs> time wasting. Time wasting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, it's funny how you said some things, and I, I, I struggled with this point of view, this perspective when you gave it to me. Then I had to really pray about it, meditate on it, you know, and this, this pleasure and this safety that we find in food. Right. It becomes one of our gods, one of our many gods, like idolatry. Mm -hmm. And that means that we have all these things that we put before God and, and gluttony in this perspective of self-love, how I see my food. Right. Whether I overindulge in health foods or, uh, or or just in any kind of food, even junk food. You know, I had to look that up. I can agree with that um, perspective. I truly can. But there's uh, there is more gluttony uh Cutney's more perverse, and, and to me, it's more of a reflection uh, of self, uh, the lack of self-control. 
You know, when I think about your perspective, I think of the person that has uh, too much control, which is a lack of self-control, not being able to stop themselves from counting the calories and eating the goods, right? It's crazy how this love of my body or hate of my body uh, leads to a gluttonous behavior, you know? And, and I was gone when I was thinking about it, it's grotesque to me. This, uh, this lack of self-control, indulging of eating the foods without con- uh, controlling myself. I- I'm talking about me, you know, um, Let's keep it real. Like, I, you know, I'm that guy. I, I don't mind putting my business out there because I want help. I want prayer. And, and you know, like, like I told you, I've been asking people to help, uh, help me, pray for me, pray for my weight because I'm gluttonous when it comes to sweets, candy, to the point to where my wife has to go stop eating all that candy. And I keep a candy dish. I don't even talk about it. Let's, <laughs> let's pick on other people. But like, like you said, even until the point – uh, it, it, where it makes me sick, right? The Bible says in Proverbs, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to these appetites. I mean, and, it, and when you read that, go read Proverbs 23, uh, 1, 2, and 3, and you'll understand that more fully. But it's like, look, you can just cut your own throat if you can't get this under control, right? I I, I, I wrote the definition down just to Say it to myself once again. Say it to our listeners. Gluttony, remember, is defined as the overindulgence or lack of self-restraint in food or drink. Also in wealth items, um, even though we know that's more of a greed issue, you can be Mm. gluttonous there too. Um, The English word comes from the Latin and means to gulp down. You know, we, it's like you said, we don't enjoy it. We get in, we, we get this way that we're eating all this healthy food, not because we're enjoying it, but because we're, we're, we're trying to be something or we're trying to satisfy something. We're trying to fill some hole. And that's what gluttony is. It's a feeling of hole, a hole gulping down something, hoping that something gets filled up, but it's never your belly that needs to be filled up because it's already full, mm-hmm. right? It's your soul. It's your spirit. That's what, you know, so I, I believe that self-control temperance uh, is, of course, the ability to control ourselves, and it involves moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to our baser desires and fleshly lusts. And I can't, we're going to talk about that next But as far as this control that we lack, but self-control is a fruit of the spirit of God. And you have to have a relationship with God to receive the spirit of God to exercise this. Other than that, you're just winging it. Like you're, 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 you're trying. I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm, I'm trying to, and I just keep eating, keep eating because I'm trying to fill a hole that only God can fill for me. Emotional eating. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Well, yeah. Right. That's what my wife calls it. And that's one way to look at it. But you think about me, I was a poor kid. I eat like this. Man, because I have it now, and I think I, I, I think I'm entitled to. I, I, I can. I work hard, you know. I, I've provided. Work. There it is. The I, the idolatry in me, which gives me uh, this idea, this thought that I can think that way and and just glutton myself on on food. Anyway, I just wanted to do, uh, say one more thing that, you know, not controlling our appetites is just another evidence of our lack of relationship with God or understanding as men and how we lead or in this case, don't lead. 
you know, I want always to bring us uh, to our target audience, men leading the way and being the example, right? And we got to figure this out because of God's order of things. I mean, everyone needs to be aware of this, but men need to be aware of how they represent God and lead the women, children, and people of God and the example that they set for the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and give you back the floor. <laughs> well, have we seen... Gluttony may make use of the occasions of companionships, so like dinners, banquets, but it destroys them. The gluttonous man at his swill, the dieters who are fretful about their eating, the person who is stoned, the drunkard who disappears in the bottle, they are all people who remove themselves from any caring for others, even for companions at the moment, and who in fact remove themselves from the concern that others feel for them. So a lot of times they just go do it by themselves. Now, I think especially with the eating disorders. Right. So, you know, they, uh, I can't go out with other people. I have to have my little baggie of uh, celery sticks and carrots, so I just won't. You you isolate yourself, and that's kind of the penalty of, of the sin. It is because it so mus- misuses what ought to be enchantments that gluttony seems so perverted and disgusting a form of self-love. Now, according to theology, gl- gluttony is a grievous sin, if it induces us to find all our contentment in the gratifying of our appetites. But this is today almost all that our societies offer us. Right. The only strenuousness of activity to which we are excited. We are left with a hollow at our core, a sinking feeling in our spirits from day to day, and we resort to the device of the glutton in his private life, one which is well known to the psychiatrist and the patient who overeats as compensation for some emotional lack, just exactly what you were describing about trying to fill this hole. So you eat and psychiatry, you know, that's everyone is, is familiar with that. Why people overeat. So pastor Aaron, help our audience see how all of these deadly sins are loveless, not seeing what is the other with open eyes and open hearts. They do not see what is beautiful in it and end up alone. Alone. That's the worst part. Yeah. So bring us home on this topic and uh, and pray us out. No problem. You know, I just want to touch again that, you know, when we practice self-control, it leads to perseverance. Perseverance helps us to overcome on a daily and regular basis. Self-control is a gift that frees us from gluttony. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body. It, free, it frees us to rest in the security uh, of God and to enjoy food as the way he intended. You know, uh, uh, Dave... Um, we discuss a lot about sin and as men how we should view it. And today, as usual, no exception, man. I, I really appreciate uh, the thought that you've put in the things that we should uh, talk about. You know, so I'm just going to really run down real quick. Gluttony and sin, and I kind of keep saying gluttony, but we're talking about all sin, mm-hmm. uh, are, are connected with idolatry. They lead uh, uh, to deadness of a, a God-centered heart. Because we become the God of our life, gluttony and all sin bring hopelessness and go hand in hand with turning away from God because we quickly learn we cannot sustain our own lives the way we want to without God. Uh, devotion to, uh, to food or anything other than God and his word for Christians gives birth to wrong perspective. If we give ourselves to being, if, if we give ourselves to being satisfied with the sustenance that God provides, along with the daily intake of spiritual bread, spiritual water, wine, and milk, then we will not have to worry about giving in to the sin of gluttony, right? We can trust God uh, to provide all that we need. Remember, 
that self-control as we value the long-term, uh, the long-term instead of the instant gratification. Father God, we just come before you and thank you, uh, Lord, for giving us a biblical perspective of how to even deal with this sin of gluttony, overindulging. Lord, may we overindulge only in uh, you, your word, and the things of your kingdom to bring glory and honor to you and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, bless those that are listening. Bless them to hear. Bless them to share. And bless them with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that they may apply what they learn here today. Lord, thanks a lot. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey, y'all, we'll see you again right here. Salt and Pepper Conversations. Next week in the heat of August, we'll be discussing lust. Oh, no, that's a good one. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Salt and Pepper Conversations with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Tune in next time as we tackle more tough topics to train a generation of better men. You can contact David and Aaron through Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com. That's Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com.